Life Church. Uh, so he was over and they were doing some ministry there. And uh, so our kids team uh, went along to that and it was absolutely fantastic. And so our kids team that are over there now serving uh, our children, the families of the Everyday Church, they do such an incredible job. And um, and so they, um, but for once they're in worship and they were getting fed themselves. So that was a good time yesterday morning. Fantastic. So we're kicking off a three-week series today and it's called Finances God's Way. And yes, we're talking about money in church. Um, If it was good for Jesus, it's good for us, hey? Second most talked about topic that Jesus spoke about. Um, And we've never shied away from it as pastors, you know. We believe that um, it's the same as any other kingdom principle, biblical principle that that Jesus uh, teaches. Um, and, And we believe we have a responsibility as pastors, as leaders, to teach it like any other biblical Uh, principle and so our goal for this series is that we would uh, walk away with an understanding if not a reminder of how God views money uh, how we can win with money and how God expects us to utilize it for his kingdom and so I get the awesome privilege I don't know how it ends up it's not planned this way but I always get to lay the foundation Uh, so that's awesome I like laying the foundation so today I get to lay the foundation And so the very first thing uh, we need to understand is that everything is God's. Everything is God's. You know, the money sitting in your bank account right now is God's. It's actually not even yours. I know that's a little bit, when I say that, it's a little bit, but it's actually God's. God is the owner of everything. Psalm 50 says this, every animal of field and forest belongs to me, the creator. I know every movement of the birds in the sky and every animal of the field in my thoughts, the entire world and everything it contains is mine. If I were hungry, do you think I would tell you? For all that I have created, the fullness of the earth is mine. So it's so integral that we start from that place because he, 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 we have to have an understanding that, that God owns everything and that he doesn't need anything from us. He's not trying to take stuff from us. In fact, he's trying to get stuff to us. He's trying to get stuff to us. And this is the revelation that we must have. You know, when Jesus taught on money, he wasn't trying to get money from people. He was trying to teach them spiritual principles that would benefit them and their families and change their lives. That was Jesus' heart. That's why he taught on money. He was trying to get stuff to the people. He was trying to perform miracles in their lives. And so he challenged people in this area. And he challenged them in this area because, and it causes you know, it causes some people to get a little bit like, you know, I don't know what the word is, but a bit, eh, uncomfortable. That's a good word, Pastor Buckier. A bit squirmish. But Jesus went there. Jesus went there. And we're going to read from Luke chapter 16, verse 10, and it says this, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? 
And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees who loved money heard all of this and were sneering at Jesus. Imagine sneering at Jesus. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. There's so much gold in this piece of scripture, isn't there? So much gold in this piece, so many key principles. And so Jesus is saying that money is the least in God's kingdom. It's not what God values. It's what humans value. We, we value it very highly, but, but it's not what God values. It's the least in God's kingdom. I mean, it's streets of gold we're talking, you know, streets of gold. <laughs> humans value it, value it highly, but God doesn't. But in, interesting, the scripture says that God will use it. He will look at how well you handle money, how well you manage it, because we just read that. If you put him first with it, if you apply biblical principles, etc., and he will use it to promote us, not only in the natural, but to open doors to true riches, speaking of purpose, destiny, etc., things of the supernatural. So even though money is the very least in God's kingdom, it's the very least, in, yet the way we handle it, the way we manage it, is extremely important in God's eyes. So it's the least but the way we manage it is very important in God's eyes. So making money, making money and having money is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all. It's not money itself that's evil. So make sure we're clear on that. It's not money itself that's evil. And it doesn't matter if you have little or plenty. It's not about that. It's about how, it's about what you do with what you have. What you do with what you have, how well you manage it, do you put God first with it? That's what God's concerned with. Have you surrendered to God in the area of your finances? Is God on the throne of your heart or money? And it's interesting because humans value it so highly, it's close to the heart. That's why Jesus goes there. Matthew 6.21 says, For your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. There's a story in the Bible about uh, a prophet, Elijah, and a widow, and I'm going to read it this morning. It's in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 7. And it says this, Sometime later, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to, came to him, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath where he came to the town gate. A widow was there gathering sticks and he called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called and Bring me please a piece of bread. 
And as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. And I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, go home and do as you have said, but first, but first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day of the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her, So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. You've got to wonder why did God send Elijah to this widow who has no food? She's about to eat her last meal with her son and get ready to die. It sounds almost barbaric. You know, why didn't God send Elijah to someone that could provide food? Somebody rich, somebody who had money, somebody with abundance. You have to ask yourself these questions. That would make sense to me. Why wouldn't you do that, God? And what we need to understand here is that God sent Elijah not for Elijah but for the widow. Not for Elijah but for the widow so that God could provide for her so that God could provide for her. He was wanting to perform a miracle within her life and within her family's life. But sometimes we take the attitude, or she could have taken the attitude, of why on earth are you doing this to me, God? You know I have nothing. Why are you trying to take from me? I have nothing. What more can I give you? But God's trying to get stuff to her. He's trying to perform a miracle within her life. And yet, instead of saying those things to God, she was obedient. She was obedient. And then the miracle occurred. You know, obedience triggers the miraculous. I know I say this quite often because I love it. Obedience triggers the miraculous. Obedience triggers the miraculous. And God wants us to step out in obedience in the area of our finances, even when we don't understand, even when it makes no sense. Can you imagine this woman, this widow? She's literally collecting sticks to make her last meal, to eat it with her son, to die. And this guy is saying, feed me first. I mean, how arrogant. Well, I'm a woman. I'm a widow. Yet no, she was obedient to the man of God. Obedience triggers the miraculous. You know, I know with a shadow of a doubt and Jacob just shared as well that we are experiencing miracles within our own life right now through our personal giving over the years. Obedience triggers the miraculous And if you read further on in this story, the widow's son ends up with a terminal illness. And so Elijah raises her son from the dead. And so God sent Elijah not just to provide food, but the whole family gets taken care of in miraculous ways. There's protection. It's not just about finances. It's not just, uh, he unlocks the supernatural. You know, one of the most basic 
uh, principles is the tithe. It's like lesson 101. It's the most basic. That's where you start and then you go over and above that and you get into real fun stuff. But the most basic principle is the tithe. And we read in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, it says this, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe. There's protection in it as well, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. And so both myself and Jacob, there's a bit of personal testimony here because I think testimony is good, stories are good. Uh, We've always tithed and I'm ever so grateful that those that discipled me Uh, or us that they taught us how to tithe I'm ever so grateful because I'm living in the abundance of that fruit now ever so grateful you know tithe literally means 10 percent that's what tithe means and some people don't agree with the tithe some people don't agree they think it's from the old testament that it comes from the law they say it's legalistic however Abraham tithed before the law he tithed to Melchizedek and he paid his tithe to Melchizedek and Melchizedek is the priesthood that Jesus refers himself to and Jesus came to fulfill the law not eradicate it now Jesus says one simple thing about tithing in the New Testament you ready? Do you know what he said? This is what he said. This you ought to do. That's what he said. I love it. <laughs> it's so simple, it's awesome. That settles it for me. This you ought to do. This you ought to do. Anyway, so I thought it was awesome. Uh, so myself and Jacob, we've always tithed and, and, and we've seen awesome miracles along the way, right? Absolutely incredible miracles. You know, when we first got married, um, bills always, when we've had no money, we've seen bills paid miraculously. God's helped us, you know, when our first home got built, etc. He'd always come through at the final hour, um, you know, just amazing things happening. Um, but however, after years of being obedient with the tithe, we realised that we weren't really kind of getting anywhere. We weren't like really making traction and, and we're kind of going around in circles in essence. And, and, and what we discovered was, was just as you need two legs, two legs to walk forward in life, you need two legs to really win with money in finances. So you need both generosity and you need good stewardship. And so what we found is we had the generosity part happening, you know, the basic tithe, we're giving into um, the building fund, uh, we were giving into missions, you know, we've got Compassion Children, giving to Adult and Teen Challenge. We had that going really well. But the stewardship part, we had a wonky leg. (laughs) Uh, it needed some healing. We had a really bad leg. We had two spenders 
living in the same household and this leg needed some healing. And so some people are generous and they go around in circles but some people manage their money really well but aren't generous. And so that also is an issue. And both, both groups will get by but they'll never truly live in the abundant life that God has called them to, that Jesus Christ died for. Both groups will get by, but I don't think at the level that God has called us to. Deuteronomy 15.10 says, Give freely and spontaneously. Don't have a stingy heart. It's in the Bible. The way you handle handle matters like this triggers God. You're God's blessing in everything you do, all your work and ventures. Again, obedience triggers the miraculous. And so God is looking for people that will pass on the blessing. He's looking for people that will pass on the blessing. You know, the lowest form of Christianity is to be blessed. And the highest form of Christianity is to be blessed to be a blessing to be blessed, to be a blessing. And so God is looking for rivers, not reservoirs, you know, where it just sits and gets stagnant, you know. You know, we can hold on to our money with a firm grip out of fear and control and not trusting God and we can become stagnant or we can understand or we have to understand that that God is like a river. There's more where that comes from. But it needs to be free-flowing. It's got to be free-flowing. Because we just read that, 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 that those that are trusted with little can then be, be trusted with more, yeah? But it's got to pass through. Blessed to be a blessing. It's got to be passed through. It's free. He owns the cattle on a thousand hill. And if we're obedient to where he calls us to sow our money, and we're talking kingdom building, kingdom building for the generations, for true riches... You'll be blessed in the process. Amen. So God calls us to be both generous and good stewards. It's got to be both two strong legs to walk forward. Calls us to be faithful with what we do have. have, And he calls us to put him first. And putting him first, 10%, uh, the basic, that's just to be fair for everyone. Because we all earn different incomes, yeah? And then you go over and above whatever it is you want to do. That's when you get into offerings, etc. Uh, and so for us, as much as God was looking after us, we went to a whole nother level when we decided to be better stewards of our money. I'm being transparent and honest here. I hope you appreciate it. Uh, so to have two strong legs and not just one, then we began to make real leaps and bounds. I hope this is helping someone by me sharing this. Then we began to make some real leaps and bounds and start really winning with money. And so the very first decision that we made was to get out of debt. To get out of debt. Romans 13.8 says this, Let no debt outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. And so many years ago, we made a commitment to do everything we could to get out of debt. So we cut up our credit cards. I had a brand new Jeep. It was beautiful. I loved it. Loved it. But I had car repayments. And so we sold it. 
And I think I drove around some old car that kept breaking down and then we had one car. But we were committed. We were so committed. We didn't go on holidays. We didn't buy stuff that we didn't only... We just got stuff we needed, not what we wanted. The amount of times Jacob tried to convince me that we really needed this thing off Facebook Marketplace. No, we don't. We certainly do not. Or maybe it was the other way around, but I have the mic. (laughs) But we were committed. And what should have taken a very, very long time, you know when you start doing something in the natural and you start doing things that are in line with God's will? He just adds the supernatural. And what should have taken so long took one year. One year to pay off all our silliness within one year god was good now dave ramsey it's called the snowball um the snowball the what the debt snowball debt something anyway dave ramsey if you don't know him his teachings changed our life and if you want to talk to me after i can get you on to him he's incredible christian financial advisor um but this is where we began to see real financial breakthrough and supernatural blessing, pay rises, um, just people randomly giving us significant amounts of money, like what? But as we were obedient, and, and again, we just, we, but we were always generous, we always, tight, we always did that, but we're working on, and were we still doing that? Yes, of course. That leg was strong, it stayed strong. We're working on the other leg, we're strengthening our wonky leg. And uh, it just so happened, though, that was both of us were weak in that area. So if you're married, you've got to work it out between you who's what, you know, um, and it's different for everybody. Psalm 19, verse 7 to 9. If you've been around long enough, you know I love this piece of scripture. It says this. The revelation of God is whole and pulls our lives together. The signposts of God are clear and point out the right road. The life maps of God are right, showing the way to joy. The directions of God are plain and easy on the eyes. God's reputation is 24 karat gold. Who loves 24 karat gold? <laughs> a few a few hands here. Mum at the back there, yeah. Uh, with a lifetime guarantee... The decisions of God are accurate down to the nth degree. How awesome is that? You can't argue with God's word. You cannot argue with God's word. It's rock solid and we can trust it. And when he says something, we can do it and we can expect great things. When our faith and obedience aligns with his promises, the miracles occur. Again, the miraculous obedience triggers the miraculous Yet we have to surrender to the world system. And the world is pretty strong, you know. You get, the, you get what is it, interest-free and they ring you. And, and I think that's how we got caught. Oh, we can loan you another ten, twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000. doesn't matter if you're both working part-time, you know, whatever it was at the time, you know. The world system is the opposite of God's system. Opposite of God's system. You have to surrender the world system, but even your own ways your own ways, your own thinking, what you think, what you want, even in regards to God's word, in regards to God's word and the tithe and the different things like that, to doing it God's way, finances God's way. 
Something else we made a commitment to was to act our wage. Act our wage. If you listen to Dave Ramsey's teachings, he talks about this. And so we began to spend less than we earned. And for some, that's a no-brainer. But you're talking about me and Jacob. <laughs> and so two spenders again in the household. And this is years ago, by the way. We're much better now. It takes discipline and delayed gratification. Discipline and delayed gratification. Now you save up for things that you want. You don't buy things you can't afford. You drive cars with no car repayments, etc. But I want you to watch this clip, please. Oh, I just can't get these numbers to add up. It's like we're never going to get out of this hole. Credit card debt, does it ever end? <laughs> Maybe I can help. We sure could use it. We've tried debt consolidation companies. We've even taken out loans to help make payments. Well, you're not the only ones. Did you know millions of Americans live with debt they cannot control? That's why I developed this unique new program for managing your debt. It's called Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. Oh, let me see that. If you don't have any money, you should not buy anything. Hmm, sounds interesting. Sounds confusing. I don't know, honey. This makes a lot of sense. There's a whole section here on how to buy expensive things using money you save. Give me that. And where would you get this saved money? I tell you where and how in chapter three. Okay, but what if I want something but I don't have any money? You don't buy it. Well, let's say I don't have enough money to buy something. Should I buy it anyway? No. <laughs> now I'm really confused. It's a little confusing at first. Well, what if you have the money? Can you buy something? Yes. Now take the money away. Same story? Nope. You shouldn't buy stuff when you don't have the money. I think I got it. I buy something I want and then hope that I can pay for it, right? No. You make sure you have money, then you buy it. Oh, then you buy it. But shouldn't you buy it before you have the money? No. Why not? It's in the book. It's only one page long. <laughs> the advice is priceless, and the book is free. Wow, I like the sound of that. Yeah, we can put it on our credit card. <laughs> so get out of debt now. Write for your free copy of Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. And if you order now, you'll also receive Seriously. If you don't have the money, don't buy it. Along with a 12-month subscription to Stop Buying Stuff magazine. So order today. Fine, guys. All right. I've um, shared this story before, but a way of budgeting for a family. I've read this story. When the wife or husband or kids um, wanted something and it wasn't in the budget, it was said, um, I really want to get that for you, but Mr. Budget says no. And, uh, and so it was always Mr. Budget's fault that they couldn't, if they couldn't get something, basically. And so the family, they ate at McDonald's on a Friday night because there was some special deal and I think you could get, um, and it's in America, so you could get like a Happy Meal for $3 without the toy or something. And um, so they were driving to McDonald's and the three-year-old in the back seat was like, oh, mummy, can I please have, have the toy? And, um, and then the mum's like, oh, Mr. Budget says no. And then they hear from the back seat, I want Mr. Budget to die. <laughs> so we can relate. 
it's painful at times. At times it's the flesh dying. It's the flesh dying. Now, I don't know what stage any of you are in. I expect maybe you can relate with some parts of where myself and Jacob used to be at. Maybe, you're, you know, maybe it's the area of um, needing, you know, generosity or it's the good stewardship or it's the who knows what. But uh, it's doing things God's way at the end of the day. And it's where trust and faith need to kick in. And this is where you get to keep your peace and your joy and fulfilment because you're doing what God wants you to do. You're walking and knowing that you're walking in God's will for your life. It's where you don't have to be in control and worried about your finances because you're doing what God says and he'll take care of it. You won't always feel like you're on the back foot. And so many of us are caught up in the trap of bondage, running up debts, living outside of our means, not acting our wage. And some of us can make a decision to change that today. And what I want you to do right now while you're sitting there, and this is just why you think about it, is ask yourself, what is your next step in regards to your finances? For some of you, it might be to start tithing, to start your giving journey, or even at least start that conversation with God. If you've never had that conversation, take it to him. For some of you, it might be you, uh, maybe you tithe on and off and maybe it's to start tithing regularly, really get serious about it. For some of you, it might be to start acting your wage and stop spending more than you earn. For some of you, it might be to, to make a decision to, to get out of debt to do what myself and Jacob did all those years ago, to, to perhaps um, maybe you need to set things right with someone. You know, you owe someone some money. Maybe you need to go set that right. You know, most of you know that I had a past before I came to Christ and so I had a lot of opportunity to set things right. And, uh, and there were a bunch of people that weren't even chasing me for money or asking for money, but I went and set it right because it's the right thing to do. You know, the Bible says to walk humbly and do what is right. And so I went and set things right because I wanted to do that before God. You know, God is he's watching. He's looking to see who he can trust, where he can open doors, to see what he can do, who we can trust with more. And so whatever it is, and it will be different for each person, why don't you make that commitment today? And know that God will never leave you nor forsake you. And do you know that scripture, I know we use it a lot of the time, but that scripture is actually in direct relation to finances, to money, that he will never leave you nor forsake you, that he's always with you. And so why don't you just lift your hands where you're sitting right now and I'm going to pray for you. And whatever your next step is, maybe you're doing amazing in both and you just can thank the Lord then. <laughs> thank you, Lord, that I'm living in this abundant life that you died to give me. If there's more, I take more in Jesus' name. Let me walk in more. God, I just pray for every single person right now, Father God. I pray you'd meet them where they're at, Father. I pray you give them the grace, the mercy and the strength that they need to take their next step in you, Father God. I pray for those that perhaps need to take that journey of getting out of debt, Lord God, that, that you would add 
to their natural, Lord, that you would add the supernatural to their natural as they take those steps, Lord God. I pray for those that maybe today they begin their giving journey, whether it's tithing or even making a decision to give into the building fund, Lord God. We just pray for grace and mercy, Lord God. We pray for faith, Lord God, that their faith be extended, Lord God, that you're trying to get stuff to them. You're trying to bring miracles into their lives, Lord. May their faith expand and be increased today, that you break mindsets and replace your truth with lies right now in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you that obedience triggers the miraculous. We thank you that you're wanting to perform miracles within people's lives, Lord God. We open ourselves up to that, Lord God. We say, have your way in our life, Father God. Do what you want to do. And for those that have been walking this journey for a long time, I pray that we wouldn't shrink back, that we continue to step into more. Thank you, Jesus. Have your way, Father God. You're such a good God. We thank you for your peace, your joy, your love. Just while we're in this attitude of prayer, I just want to, if there's anyone in the building or online that has never entered into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I just want to give you an opportunity right now. It's a simple prayer. It's believing that God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross, that he rose him from the dead to wash you clean from your sins and so that you could live a victorious life in him and come back into a relationship with him. And so if that's you, we're going to pray all together as a church and ask that you'd pray with us. Best decision I ever made 20 years ago. Church, if you'd follow after me. And whoever wants to make this decision. God, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. I ask that you forgive my sins. Wash me clean. And today I choose to live for you. Just with our heads bowed and our eyes still closed. If anyone prayed that prayer for the very first time or even if you made a recommitment today, you just slip your hand up in the air just so I can see it. I'd love to pray with you. If you're online, if you can comment on the chat, would love to get some resources to you. Just one more moment. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're just going to worship. Thank you, Jesus. Mm-hmm.